0: Hello and welcome to Five Alive. It is another beautiful day to be serving Jesus and to be walking just as he wants us to. Today we are going to be reading through the book of John, chapter 19, and we are going to be talking about the leading up to and crucifixion of Jesus on the cross. And as you if you are following your calendars, we'll see uh, Easter Sunday is coming up quickly. And that is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And Good Friday is the day that we celebrate his death, which we are going to be talking about today. Just to lead up and remind us of what's been happening so far, Jesus and his disciples were in a garden. One of his disciples had left before they got to the garden named Judas. And as they were in the garden, Jesus was praying. The disciples were sleeping. Some soldiers came in. And these are not soldiers like military soldiers, but these are soldiers of the synagogue the temple soldiers they come in they arrest jesus they take him and they question him underneath the chief priest they then take him from there because they want to be rid of jesus and they by their own jewish law cannot do anything like kill jesus so they take him to the roman governor pilate And as Jesus comes before Pilate, they have a conversation. We talked a little bit about this last week about kingdoms and Jesus informs that his kingdom is not of this world, but yet he was born for this specific ridicule, the crucifixion that is yet to take place and to be a witness of exactly who God is. And anyone who listens and obeys Jesus will know the truth. Pilate finds Jesus innocent of any kind of criminal activity of anything wrong he says you are innocent this man is not guilty yet a crowd or a mob that had been gathered by the jewish priests pharisees and sadducees demand that jesus be killed and a robber named barabbas be released and that's where we pick up today in our reading of john chapter 19 verses 1 through 22
1: When the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he was made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at the place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic, Gabatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king! They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and went out bearing his cross to the place called the place of the skull, which is in Aramaic called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather, This man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered,
0: What I have written, I have written. This is the reading of God's word today. There are a few things that I want to look at in accordance with what we see played out in this passage of Scripture. First of all, I'd like us to take a self-assessment of how I treat Jesus. How is it that I treat Jesus? Secondly, I want us to take a look at those who are riding the fence in the story that we have in front of us, as well as the one of Peter a couple of weeks ago. And then thirdly, the argument over the sign, the King of the Jews. So first off, the assessment of how do I treat Jesus? Jesus is beaten. There's a crown of thorns made and put on his head. He's donned in a purple robe. He's mocked. They say, hail, king of the Jews. And then they punch him to the point where he's basically unrecognizable as a human being. And the reason they chose these specific things to do to Jesus was out of mockery and making fun of or uh, inverting what they would normally see as royalty and teasing Jesus in a way that is mock worship. Humanity's idea of lordship or kingship at its finest is to see a man with a crown, the most expensive and ornate robe, and to give that person verbal adoration. And so I just kind of want to break these things down a little bit because these are the glories that appear to be what we chase after. We, for ourselves, we want to see these things played out in ourselves. We want to be adorned with some type of crown on our head. In fact, I've heard people say before many times, uh, Oh, you've suffered such great catastrophic problems. And because of your sacrifice, you're going to have an extra jewel in your crown. So we say that because it's something that we desire to have. We want to have a crown on our head. 2000 plus years ago, a crown was an outward symbol of glory and honor for a person of a high status. They would wear a crown on their head. Today, princesses all over the world who have watched Disney movies, they wear crowns on their head, right? Tiaras. Mm-hmm. And so, why do they want to? Why do you, as a little girl, now that you're 12 years old, when you were younger, why was it so important to wear a tiara or a crown on your head?
2: because it makes you look pretty okay it, yeah it's making me beautiful and noticeable and like pretty yeah sure. <laughs> like it seems like a uh, model yeah oh, okay <laughs> you can say yeah
0: yeah, yeah. if their your hair is your beauty then why would you put something else to enhance your beauty on it?
2: to be recognized
0: to be recognized
2: to so be look like a princess right because uh we always seen on movies and shows the princess wear the crown so that's why
0: sure yeah absolutely so it's to show ourselves honor glory is there anything yeah. wrong with adorning yourself with uh, makeup and putting your hair uh you know doing your hair and these things is there anything wrong with that no no, no there's not that's not what i'm talking about we're talking about a Crown of thorns that was placed on jesus 's head as mockery, and one of the symbols of a real legitimate crown was to bring honor or glory to a person of a high status. Another reason that you would get a crown would be for what sometimes you'd
1: get crowns for service and other stuff you'd do like if you're military right. and you're high status military and you're like one of your best military officers right your person above you would give you used to give you crowns to adorn you. To show this person is of high status and they do this and that's why they were adorned with crowns. Today we do the same thing. We adorn our uh, police officers and military with badges and medals. Right. And they get all kinds of them. And it's the same as back in the day, we just give them crowns.
0: Correct. I also think, as Xavier was talking about that, of... The fact that I can drive around town here in Mahali and sometimes I'll see somebody from Himachal or from Uttarakhand and they will have a hat on their head. And depending on the design that's on the hat on their head, I can tell what village they're from. Yeah, And so it's a way to recognize who your people are.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And then there's another way is that in athletic events back in the day, same as military, sure. now we give like a gold medal uh, if you get first place, a silver medal if you get second place, bronze medal if you get third place in the Olympics or in the Commonwealth Games. And yet back then, the victory prize or the reward for being an athlete was a crown that they would make and they would put the crown on top of their head. So with all of that said, when you see somebody and you're like, oh, now that's somebody that has wealth, that is a rich person. What does that person look like to you?
2: Like how he react to how he walk, like it's totally different from us. Uh Like, you know, when we saw the movie the princess movie how they wave and how they walk how they eat they should be in in proper in Uh a proper way they react so that's why they look different and their outfits also look really different sure like fancy brand they use brands perfect
1: yeah and for me for you yeah the people that are wealthy try and make themselves look like they're the common man as opposed to um, someone who's elaborate. So sometimes I think more wealthy people can not only are the people that have designer brands in the top, everything, they will dress in common clothes that way for the marketing scheme and the fact that they'll try their best to look like us. That way we believe we're, we're almost equal to the point where we can get along with them and
0: help us somehow okay what does somebody who's royal a person of royalty look like to you queen elizabeth ii and what are the outward expressions of the fact that she's the queen
1: oh she has to wear her sash and all her medals and all her and her crown and her hair's always done and she always has her pretty clothes on whenever she walks around and that's when we see her okay. out and about. But that's what expresses her royalty is all these outward things, like the clothing and the crowns and the little medals the and the dresses the and her big, big hats,
3: poofy dresses,
1: and her big
0: poofy dresses and her hats, and her, big, and her, hats. And her, hats. her big hats. Okay, and it just shows who she is. How do you think Jesus normally day to day dressed? Like common people,
1: he didn't have anything elaborate or at least from what we've learned and read. It doesn't, whenever you read stories or even in the Bible, they describe people's clothing whenever they're trying to describe a person. That way you can envision a person in your mind. That way you can somewhat know what they look like. And whenever Jesus is described, his clothing is usually never described because it was so common that it wasn't even worth mentioning.
0: And so they adorn him with this crown of thorns, on top of his head to mock him as if he's really a king do you think Pilate during this process is probably wearing some type of crown to show that he has honor and glory yes and so he's showing his strength with whatever crown he's wearing at the time and showing jesus's weakness in subservient to Pilate, because he's giving him a crown of thorns, that has pierced his brow and caused him to bleed all over his face. Go ahead, Mallory.
3: I think his crown looks um, similar to crowns of
1: Caesar.
0: Yeah, I -hmm. think you would be right. Matthew chapter 6, verses 26 through 31.
1: Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? In which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in his glory days was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear
0: so this shows me how jesus really looked at the outward adornment of the way a person is is that we can trust in god to make sure that we are always clothed to make sure that we have the money to buy our clothes back then you made your clothes we didn't have the name brands that we have today going and shopping in the uh, the market or the bazaar in order to get clothes usually we would go get fabric and then we would tailor it ourselves in our home and so jesus he wore the clothes of a carpenter his earthly father on this earth uh, his adopted father if you will was a carpenter and jesus would have learned the same trade as his father and his parents wouldn't go out and get him even more elaborate clothes than they had. He also had brothers and sisters, Jesus did. And so they're doing their best to get the, clothes, the the fabric that they can get and they are making clothes so that that way they're basically, he wouldn't have looked much different than Mary, his mom. He wouldn't have looked much different than his brothers or his sisters. I mean, obviously the women's clothes versus men's clothes kind of mm-hmm. thing would have been different, However, what I'm saying is, is the type of clothes Jesus wore would have been the same as his whole family wore. And if he hung out with fishermen, if he hung out with who would have not been very wealthy people, right? Mm -hmm. If he hung out with a tax collector, he probably would have had wealth. Matthew would have had lots of wealth. He would have been well adorned, but he wouldn't have minded going out with Jesus. And so his clothes weren't shabby, fallen apart, moth-eaten Completely holy, you know, raggedy, looking like he's a street beggar kind of a person. He, I'm sure, he bathed when he was supposed to bathe, you know, in that those times, et cetera, et cetera. But basically, he was just wearing the clothes of a carpenter. He probably had the hardened hands of a carpenter. I mean, carpenters' hands—they they get calluses all over them. They get really rough and and hard. And and have you ever had your skin crack? And and then all of a sudden you get little blisters and stuff. Jesus has probably had those blisters and things on his hands. He had the mere, meager wages of a tradesman. But Jesus didn't come to this earth to show his royalty. As we talked about last week, his kingdom is not of this world. And so he's showing us that these things don't necessarily matter. He's not saying do away with them. But he's also not saying that's what we're supposed to chase after because he gave us another example, which is found in Philippians chapter two, verses six through nine. And that's you, Mallory.
3: Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of people. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, And given him a name which is above every name.
0: Excellent. So Jesus is given a gnarly, nasty crown of thorns that has pierced his brow to make fun of him and to humiliate him and to say, if that's what your kingdom is, this is what it looks like. It looks like a gnarly, nasty crown of thorns second thing is is that they robe him they don him in a robe it's purple which is difficult to make to gather the color purple and to dye the purple purple garments are very expensive and they don him with this robe and it doesn't say it's an ugly robe it just says it's a purple robe so we know therefore it's expensive so we've got this gnarly nasty ugly crown of thorns shoved into the head of our Savior and then they don him with a fancy purple rope And I think this shows us the importance of what we as humankind look at not just Adorning ourselves with glory But also we love to celebrate the work of our hands. Have you ever made anything? Yeah, yeah Mm -hmm. And uh, what do you think of your artwork? Is it it? Is it cool? Like are you like man, I made this sometimes sometimes yeah Mallory have you ever like made a bracelet and been like look at this cool bracelet I made
2: yeah
0: yeah absolutely I mean we we find treasure in the things that we can make with our hands and I'm not saying there again same principle I'm not saying we can't adorn ourselves with things I'm saying sometimes we take it too far and we worship that instead of the one who gave us the ability to use our hands. And I'm not talking about the person, uh, you know, the artist that I'm talking about, the one that has that piece of art that's never finished because it's just not right. I can do better. Oh, I can do so much better. And so they keep on working on it all of their lives to the point where they are like, it's never gonna be good enough. That's still a prideful arrogance of saying, I know I can do better. And that my work of my hands is going to prove even better in the future. And so they keep on working on it. That's the same kind of pride. That's the same kind of arrogance that I'm talking about here is, is that we we look at the work of our hands as sometimes more important than anything else. Sometimes more important than other people, don't we? Because what we'll do is is when it comes to the things that we adorn ourselves with, say jewelry, where do we put it when we're not wearing it? In a box in a box in a safe we take it to the bank and put it in a safety deposit box so nobody can steal it like we 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 treasure it and what about the work with our hands sometimes that's something that's very important to us that we're like i i don't want anybody to ever mess with this this is my prized possession i made this with my own hands and we display it for everybody to see don't
2: we Unless if you hide it there's those that do hide it. And there's
0: those that hide it. And why, do they, why are they hiding it?
2: Because they don't want they don't it think
0: to break. Yeah, they don't. Well, they don't want it to break. They don't think it's good enough because they're always working on it. We already talked about that. But they don't want it to break. They don't want somebody to damage it or steal it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so the nod at teasing Jesus as the king of all cannot be forgotten. The tongue-in-cheek message that Pilate is giving here, that these people are humiliating Jesus, it cannot go unnoticed. Normally, when we're doing the work of our hands, we're doing it for several very important reasons. Why do you work with your hands? What does it do for you? What can the work of our hands provide for us? Food. Food. Clothing. Clothing. Shelter. Shelter.
3: Oh, cups and bowls and forks and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, relief, relief.
2: Help. Can help. Helping help.
1: Help. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Helping somebody. Is it easy to rear your children if you don't use your hands?
2: There are those that are born with deformities that still are able to take care of their children like that, even yeah. without hands. They use their nubs. Or yeah, whatever. yeah.
0: And nowadays, what do we do with people who have these kinds of deformities? Well, yeah, we give them prosthetics, but I mean, in today's society, what we seem to do is, is if they are not beggars, we seem to promote them as, man, look at this awesome person. They are missing a leg, and look at all the things they can still do, and we hype them up, don't we?
3: Yeah.
0: Because we see the work that we do as very, very important. When we stop using our hands to worship, and I'm not talking about during a song service. I'm talking about... The worship of our work, the worship of God with our hands is the most important act of worship that we can actually do. And I would fair to say in the late 20th century, in the beginning of the 21st century, we got our minds off of, especially in the church, we got our minds off of the fact that worshiping God with our hands was important. And we started looking at a song service as the most important thing. And when we started ridiculing people for not raising their hands, this is God's song, you should be raising your hand. But then when we left church and we went out and worked, we treated everybody like trash. And we looked down our noses at others that we work with. We treated our families like garbage. And we somehow think that raising our hands and a praise and worship song service is giving edification and glory to God. I don't think so. I think worshiping God with our hands is one of the most important things we can do and that has nothing to do with singing and lifting our voices in praise, which we're getting to next. But we've got to use our hands and not in the way that they've done here where they've robed Jesus with a creation that they had made out of cloth and dyed it purple and made it expensive and ridiculed Jesus. But instead, we worship Jesus with our hands, so that that way He can be praised. Matthew chapter fifteen one through 9.
2: Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat, He answered them. And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever revels father or mother must surely die. That you say, if any one tells his father or his mother, what you have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his father. For the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites! Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men.
0: This kind of brings us from the work of our hands to the verbal adoration. Do you guys like it when a person tells you good job, wow, you look really pretty today or you look really handsome today. You're such a good friend. How does that make you feel when somebody compliments you like that?
2: Feels good inside.
0: Feels good inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes you happy. Makes you happy.
2: Mm-hmm. And It's proved that you have done something good. Yeah.
0: yeah,
2: You did it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Do you like it if somebody says that and yet there's just a little change in their voice and it sounds like it's sarcastic? Oh. Well, you look pretty today. Yeah, yeah. How does that make you feel? (laughs) Worse. Worse? (laughs) How about a half-hearted compliment? How does that make you feel? You had told me one this week and I'm changed it a little bit here but it just struck me as like really odd a compliment like wow if you keep studying leadership you might be a good leader one day like how does that sound like how does that make you feel
2: makes you feel like just give up
0: like it's a half-hearted compliment like (laughs) oh you you did a good job on your makeup today maybe one day you'll get it right (laughs) like whoa what kind of compliment you know what i mean like when people but don't people do that yeah how about somebody who gives you a compliment just so that that way they'll get something in return from you?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: How
0: does that make you feel? Not great. If
3: they do that, I would probably have never noticed it anyways because I would have probably given them a compliment to start a
2: conversation with them.
0: Okay. First Samuel chapter 15 verse 22.
2: But the Samuel replied, "Does the Lord delight in burnt offering and sacrifices?" As much as in obeying the Lord, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams.
0: Wonderful. So here we have Jesus has a crown of thorns put on his head. He's robed in a purple robe, and then they mock him by saying, Hail, King of the Jews! They're not saying it with a compliment. They're not saying it out of adoration and praise and honor to him. Instead, they're saying it to destroy him, to make him feel bad. So not only are these Roman centurions hurting Jesus physically, they're destroying him with verbal abuse as well. Mm-hmm. Just out of curiosity, how do we talk to God when we pray? Like, what what do our prayers really look like when we're talking to God? Are our prayers only requests of, God, get me out of this mess that I made for myself? Or are our prayer times only demands of God of things that we want? Or are our prayer times, if you're real, or are your prayers only, I am so sorry, God, I messed up again? Or are your prayers, if you'll do this, then I'll do this? Or are we talking more about ourselves than we are? Worshiping and praising God. It seems like we aren't much different sometimes in our prayer time than these soldiers mocking Jesus, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, when our prayer life becomes so flippant in saying, God, I need from you, 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 need from you mm-hmm. and not really being concerned about worshiping him and adoring him. I mean, he's the king, truly, truly he's the king he's the creator of all heaven and earth and he deserves us to say wow and then be speechless because we just can't even come up with the words to say for how awesome he is and then when we go on we do create something when we do go and make something a piece of artwork or a, a meal god's the one that gave me this talent and we praise him for the work that we've done with our hands and we say I was able to do this because God gave me the ability to do this. When we go to our work, and yes, I understand some of us have jobs that are just not the most fun to do in the world. However, God provided you with a job so you can earn an income so that that way you can provide clothing and shelter and food and pay the electric bill and have a mobile phone now. I mean, all these things. And if all we're doing is making demands of jesus isn't that kind of similar to what these guards are doing when they're saying hail king of the jews and then bam punching them in the gut and pow hitting them in the face see we we can be very much like the guards and the only reason i'm pointing these things out today to us is because i want us to recognize We can't point our finger at those Roman centurions and say, what horrible people they are and what a good person I am. We can't look at the Jewish leaders and the Jewish elders at this time and go, man, they're the ones that crucified Jesus and their sin is heavy. And there's nothing as bad in this world that I'm going to do that will compare. There is no comparison between us and these Roman guards and the Jewish leaders, and Pontius Pilate at this time. What there is, is there's a warning for us that we can be no different than they are if we do not worship God in truth. If we do not obey him, if we do not worship him with our hands, then we can fall into the same trap that they did. The second thing I wanted to look at was riding the fence. Pilate says, I find no guilt in him. Do you know how many times he said it in John chapter 18 through John chapter 19? Seven. No. He said it three times. Oh,
1: okay. I was making a big number.
0: How many times did Peter deny Jesus?
1: Three times.
0: Three times. Both of them are riding the fence in this moment, aren't they? Mm -hmm. They're both at a point where they're denying Jesus and they're kind of riding the fence. Somebody says, hey, aren't you a follower of Jesus? No, 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 that's not me. Pilate says, I have the ability to release you or to crucify you, but I find you not guilty. But I'm not going to release you. I'm going to give you over to the people to crucify you. And I'm going to wash my hands and say, it's not my determination. It's not my judgment. It is the peoples, and so they are trying to ride the fence throughout life. Both of them, I guarantee you would say, from the knowledge they had of Jesus, Pilate, short small knowledge, and Peter, uh, three year, three and a half year time that he spent together with him, I bet you they would both say he's a good teacher. I bet you they both would have said Jesus was a good teacher. I bet you they both would have admitted that he performed miracles. I guarantee you that they both would say that Jesus was very intelligent. Man, what a smart guy that was. I guarantee you both of them would say that their lives were enriched for knowing Jesus. And I bet you, in fact, I know they both even called Jesus King. Yet in this moment of riding the fence, their confession and their belief and their obedience in who Jesus Christ is, is non-existent. I bring that up because it's important for us to see that there's lots of people today in the 21st century that they will say, Jesus is a good guy, but I'm not going to follow him. He was a really good teacher, but that's just not for me. The Bible says he performed miracles. That's cool. You know, that sounds to me like so-and-so because they were a hermit that lived in this cave over here in this part of Jaipur. And, you know, they only lived on milk and they healed people too. So it sounds to me like he's no different than that person. These are not confessions. This is not belief and this is not obedience and who Christ is. And so therefore these people would not be Christians. Yet, there's many people walking around this globe today stating the same things as Peter and Pilate did on their fence-riding moment. They live however they please. They do whatever they want to do. And sometimes, just because of the people that they hang out with, people associate them as a Christian. Oh, that must be a Christian because he hangs out with that person. Yet, there will come a day when we must choose Jesus the good man, teacher, and healer, but not God, or Jesus, my Lord, Master, Savior, Friend, the Son of God, and all truth. Not making a choice is still making a choice. By not making a choice, you're saying Jesus is not God. The benefits of a fence rider is that they make themselves the ultimate authority, they're not answerable to anybody, and they live in the moment. Whatever feels good, do it. And they ignore their guilty feelings. But there is a day that they're going to make a choice. Did you know that the chief priest made his choice in this passage of scripture that we just read? In verse 15, who does he choose? Does he choose Jesus or does he choose Caesar? He
3: chooses Caesar.
0: Yeah. He flat out says it in the passage of scripture we just read I reject Jesus, and Caesar is my king. And I proclaim him as the king of all the people here.
3: Even so, he. It goes by the... even though he follows Moses.
0: Even though I follow the law of Moses, and I'm not supposed to say that I worship any king other than God, I choose Caesar. That's the exact statement that he makes. So sometimes we have to ask ourselves, is my prime minister, my president, my political party, my ethnic group, my culture, my spouse, my children... My sexual persuasion, my nationality, etc. Are those my king? And when given the choice between these and Jesus, do we say, These are my king? Crucify Jesus? Because we can't really blame Pilate or the Jewish leaders for more often than not, we choose something in this world over Jesus. It's unfortunate, but it happens. And so what do we do in those moments when we choose something over Jesus?
3: You when you realize that and you know that you're a true follower of Jesus and um, you realize that you accidentally did that. You want to be forgiven of your sins. But sometimes some people get afraid and think that Jesus wouldn't ever allow them to have a second chance.
0: You're right. On all counts.
3: But some people also do go back and believe that he gives people second
0: chances. And third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth and eighth, right? So we're not supposed to walk away defeated when we make the wrong choice. What we do is we recognize it, and we go to Jesus and we ask him to forgive us. And does he ignore us? No. No. He says, I love you. And he picks us up, and he continues to walk with us which is pretty cool, that he would be that loving, that caring, and that forgiving. Because I've read a lot of books, people, Greek gods, Hindu mythology, and I've seen that they don't forgive, but Jesus does. He forgives. Thirdly, there's an argument over a sign that's going to be put over Jesus as he's crucified. And the sign says what? The King of the jews and the chief priest comes and he says no 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 no! don't say that say this man said i am king of the jews now i don't know if he was trying to avoid humiliation because his authority is being questioned and they're saying hey it says the king of the jews and the chief priest would lose authority and amongst his people. I don't know if he was just trying to politically disassociate himself that much with Jesus, to say, I have nothing to do with this. This man does not believe like I do. You know, like on the TV shows nowadays, they say, uh, this person is going to be speaking and they do not hold the views, the same views as we do on this TV show or in this broadcasting system or whatever. And they continue to say all that in fine print. I don't know if he was trying to disassociate himself. And I don't know if he's trying to show anybody that's a religious leader, the blasphemy that Jesus said. Because notice the words that he says, this man said, and then he uses those two words that proclaim Yahweh as God of the Jews. I am. Mm -hmm. Was it his way of trying to say, this is what he was guilty of? And that's why I wanted to say, I am king of the Jews. The sign was written in three languages Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. Why do you think they would have wanted that to happen? So that everybody could read it and understand it. Even the illiterate people could go up to somebody and go, what does that say? And they'd say, oh, it says this, the king of the Jews. And so I think about the sign that gives a declaration of who Jesus is. The king of the Jews. Given to him by a man who had shoved a crown of thorns in his head, put a purple robe on him, beaten him up, and then he gives them a sign. This is the king of the Jews. And it makes me think. There was an old comedian. He used to say, had this sarcastic joke where he would talk about people and he would say, at the end, here's your sign, talking about their dumb people. But it made, makes me think, What what would the sign be if there was a sign written about you and me? And we carried it around with us everywhere we went. What would that sign say? If we were at work, And there was a sign that we had to carry with us. What would it say when others see our work ethics and the way we treat other people? What would our sign say? And when we're at home, what would the sign say that our children, our spouse, and our parents, and our siblings uh, would recognize us as? Would Would they read the sign and say, oh yeah, this is... This is this type of a person or when we're out at gatherings or parties or athletic events What would the sign say about us? Would it say hey, this is a self-made person. This person's really prideful This person's kind man. This person's a really good guy Beware this person's arrogant Watch out this person's a jerk Or would a sign say this is a child of God. This person is a friend of God. How do people perceive us? See, at the end of his life on this earth, though he's about to be resurrected in three days, they wrote a sign about Jesus. And the sign was, he's king, and he's king of a people group. The people that he spent all of his life ministering among, healing, speaking to, calling them back into right relationship with God. And so rightfully, Jesus's sign at the end of his life says that he was the king of the people he was there to save. And so if we were to have a sign written about us, an epitaph on our tombstone, if you will, what would it say about us? And that's what I see in this passage of scripture of Jesus's crucifixion. Is there anything else that you guys have to add? Yes.
3: Have you noticed that before Jesus died, everything was in a pattern of three?
0: Elaborate.
3: Um Peter denied Jesus three times. Yeah. Caesar Pi P- sorry, Pilate said something three times. He's before. innocent. Yeah. He's innocent three times. Um the crosses were in a three and yeah. he was going to resurrect
0: in three days. Yeah, you're right. And it's those kinds of things that get people confused with numbers and numerology. And then they start saying, oh, well, that shows us this pattern. So therefore, we have to look for it again. Let's close in prayer. Thank
3: you, Jesus, for this day and for every single day and that everyone will worship God and love him for forever. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.